Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Dal. This is uh, the Herman's Hermits with the song called Daisy Chain, part one. So bad. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's a groove. Right. Alright, so decided to let you know. Whoa. Whoa. We gotta shorten our mic. Whoa. Alright, we gotta shorten our mic. That was uh Herman's Hermits, Daisy Chain Part One. Off the Who Would Have Thought uh compilation. Uh and I got that from a uh, blog, a uh, psychedelic blog that I'm going to announce the link to in a little bit. It's not in front of me anymore. But it's got all this killer uh, old psychedelic from the, from mostly from Europe and stuff. And um, so I've been checking that out, this guy's uh, this blog. And I'm going to be listening and playing some stuff from that tonight. And I also want to talk a little bit about the uh, uh, Hugo Chavez was out there today uh, at the UN of all places. Go figure. Uh, that uh, he went to the UN to call Bush uh, the devil. Not just demonic, which I think he is, but the devil. Now, the problem with him calling, Hugo Chavez calling Bush the devil, is that it makes, it just pushes this whole trajectory of Bush is the bad guy, Let's let's all talk about how Bush is, and without uh, and because look at this forum he was in, he was in the the UN, and the UN isn't our friends. I, I personally don't think. I don't think the UN is there to help us. I think the UN is part of the problem, 
And um, when Hugo Chavez, who is on the record saying that he, you know, he, you know, gave uh, Willie Ro- uh, William Rodriguez, the hero from 9/11, this great reception and talked to him about and watched all these 9/11 uh, videos and played some of 9/11 videos in, in in Venezuela and is supposedly sort of down with that whole 9/11 truth movement. He goes to the UN, calls Bush a devil, and then who does he, he does, who does he recommend to read? Not David Ray Griffin or Webster Tarpley or anything like anybody like that, but Noam Chomsky, who he's telling everyone to read Hegemony or Survival. And, you know, and I've listened to the first chapter on audiobook. That's about as much as that book as I, as I uh, or maybe it was the introduction or I'm not sure what part of the audiobook, but it, was, it wasn't much. It was basically Noam Chomsky's little introduction to the audiobook and then like a little bit of the first chapter. And I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was really solid analysis and research. Um, the thing is, is that when it comes to 9-11, um, Noam Chomsky has done zero um, research uh, and has written what I consider a very um, uh, sophomoric analysis. of within He published it within the f- first few months of, of 9-11 happening. He was, I think it was his first book out on 9-11, so he got to name it 9-11. Um, and it's basically just a bunch of chickens coming home to roost. Uh, analysis, uh, you know, saying, well, blowback, blah, blah, blah. Which, hey, if if that's all it was, yes, I could see that there'd be, you know, uh, and there is good reason for people to be angry at the United States and want to um, even become suicidal about it and make symbolic gestures. The reality is, is that um, that dog don't, don't hunt, as they say, or whatever. Uh, and then to have Chavez, who... You know, it feels like he's sort of a darling of the left, but then he's getting set up to say all this crazy stuff, like he's the devil. Now, and, and if he would have just said, change it, and I, maybe he has. I didn't listen, I don't, didn't really, if I didn't understand it when I did hear it, if I did hear it today on NPR, um, but I don't think I even did hear it. I just heard the, the interpreter speaking for him. So I don't know what he actually said in Spanish, but in English it was, it was de- um, translated as the devil. And you know, just like <laughs> it's like, uh, and that makes that makes Americans the bastard children of Flip Wilson. You know, the devil made me buy this president. <laughs> oh no, that's too funny. Okay, so uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that whole thing. It's just like feels to me like this is another one of those limited hangouts. And uh, speaking of limited hangouts, okay, because. And I just can't. I, I want to trust Hugo Chavez, and I want him to 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 be kind of what he claims to be in a way, like a man of the people and voted in. And but there's a way that it's like it seems like um, um, people don't get elected unless the powers that be want people to get elected. Even in Venezuela, I think it's a global control system. That uh, but maybe it's not, and maybe that's why he is um, demonized uh, the way he is. Um, but it just seems like this is another um, big theater of the left-right uh, puppet show. Like, this is just the biggest now. And it, and it, it sort of totally feeds into this whole thing about um, that Bush, the Bush is the bad cop and the U.N. is the good cop. And he can go and air his views and, and have freedom of speech in the U.N. Um, but he... <laughs> just... It just seems like a big setup to me. And then, okay, so then it seems like a limited hangout, okay? 
And I, I did a little research on Limited Hangout. It comes from that phrase comes from uh, the tapes, the Watergate tapes of Ehrlichman and 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 Dean and um, Nixon talking about how they're going to have a limited hangout of 9/11 and they're going to divert the, t- the attention and, and, and contain the damage. And that's what limited hangouts do: is it it creates a convenient, um, salacious and, and scandalous uh, art, you know, news news item, and it s- contains the the damage. It 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 diver- and diverts attention away to the deeper uh, scandal that uh, is underlying it. And speaking of which, this is so. Now, last last week, Bush then said uh, it mentioned something about explosives inside the building from intelligence that he gathered from Khalid Sheikh Mohammed while he was uh, um, doing this, uh, doing their uh, terror. Uh, I mean, not terror, but um, torture. Stuff. So they tortured Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, and he sang like a bird. And that, and even though we we the people aren't and don't have, aren't allowed any access at all to the supposed testimony of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, if there ever was, if you know Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was ever uh, captured in the first place, because when there was a the video crew never got any kind of facial shots. Anywho, so we got this. Thing from, so there's Bush saying, "Oh yeah, we terrorism is good." So here's the clip of Bush talking about explosives. The information that the Central Intelligence Agency has obtained by questioning men like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed has provided valuable information and has helped disrupt terrorist plots, including strikes within the United States. For example, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed described the design of planned attacks on buildings inside the U.S. and how operatives uh, were directed to carry them out. That is valuable information for those of us who have the responsibility to protect the American people. He told us the operatives have been instructed to ensure that the explosives went off at a high po- a point that was high enough to prevent people trapped above from escaping. He gave us information that helped uncover Al-Qaeda cells' efforts to obtain biological weapons. We've also learned information from the CIA program that has helped stop other plots, including attacks on the U.S. Marine Base in East Africa or American Consulate in Pakistan or Britain's Heathrow Airport. This program has been one of the most vital... All right. Well, you get the idea. So, um... The, the the problems uh, in that are, are I mean it's in some ways it's like wow um, Bush admits that there are Khalid, at least that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed says that there's explosives in the buildings you know when you can't trust Khalid Sheikh Mohammed oh but the 9/11 Commission supposedly did base their entire commission report on the testimony of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed because he's just another patsy sort of shadowy not even real you know, fictional character that they've created. This, or maybe he's somewhat re- real, or kind of like Jesus. You know, based on a couple of different characters or whatever. Whatever the, whatever the. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's like. But then, okay. So he says, you know, I'm not sure. Even sure that the clip is something. You know, like uh, right around here. Mission for those of us to protect the American people. He told us the operatives have been instructed to ensure that the explosives went off at a high po- a point that was high enough to prevent people trapped above from escaping. Okay, so that the 
explosives were high enough to trap people from explosives. Okay, now this was not him going off on his little tangents that he gets in trouble for. This is him reading off the script. So all you can think, you know, and, you know, I've heard other people say it, and it seems obvious, uh, it, it totally is a limited hangout where they say, well, there looks like they might be getting ready to say, oh, well, you know what, after all, Al-Qaeda did have explosives in the building, and, and we didn't want to let that out because of issues of national security. But the reality is, yeah, actually, Stephen Jones is right, and there were explosives in the building. And then we're all supposed to go, oh, okay. Yeah, good thing we've got to get those terrorists, those darn Al-Qaeda, sure are sneaky, getting inside our, our World Trade Center towers, right? So, now, you know, it's just like, okay, uh, is this how they're going to go? I mean, is this, or maybe maybe no one noticed it. This, this was the 15th of September, 2006, and now it's already, what, the 20th or something? I don't know. I think it's the 20th. So, um, it just seems like a big old uh, bunch of crap, even though it's like, in a lot of ways, you'd kind of like, um, you'd kind of like them to... Um, They start admitting this stuff, but it's like it's not really admitted to um, enlighten. It's more, I, it's more let out to contain, I think, and to stop discussion. I don't know. Anyway, check this little clip out. Remember this one? As the politics change, his positions change, and that's not how a commander in chief acts. I, 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 finish. The intelligence I looked at <laughs> was the same intelligence my opponent. Why do you say "let me finish" right there? Yeah, the reason why is because that was the one where he had that little microphone in his ear, and everyone, the, the bloggers took the picture of, the, of him with the little thing down his back, and their Rove was speaking into his ear, and he was like, "Let me finish." He wasn't talking to anybody there. He was talking to. Okay, right, all right. So uh, I'm gonna play um, some of this funny psychedelic music, and because um, it's pretty rad. And there's this really funny one I've got to play. It's so amazing. So this one made me laugh out loud this week. So uh, uh, check it out. This is uh, actually Purple Haze. Purple 
Just quickly before I forget, I wanted to let you know that that blog that I got this song, this music from is uh, knuthulu.blogspot.com. That's Knut Hulu, also known as the Orange Cornflake Zoo is the name of it. Um, and it's pretty rad. Uh, they've got a lot of really cool stuff. And I only tasted a little bit. So I'm going to play some more of that. And since we're, um, since we're doing uh, covers, I want to play this... Um, Oh wait. Yeah. I'm gonna play this uh this other song. <sighs> Maybe I don't have it. I know I do do have it, I just Oh uh, S Yeah. Her name is Susan Christie. I got it off that album. And uh since we're doing uh where'd the other one go? Well, we're going to do, um, this is a song called Rainy Day. Uh-huh. 
That was a two by a, a gal named Susan Christie, and I guess she's, uh, um, you know, extremely rare because I guess her album that was never released or something like that. I read on on that great uh, uh, blog I was telling you about the or, the name again is the Orange Cornflake Zoo. I guess if you do a search of that, uh, you'll find. It. I found him through actually um, Torrent. Uh, was it uh, what's that uh, Pirate Bay Torrent site? And um, the reason why I was at Pirate Bay is because my dad um, sort of, quote, gave me a long-term lend or something like that. It's almost like he, he didn't quite give it to me. He just didn't want me to make He wanted to make sure I didn't give it to somebody else. So he just said, I'm not giving it to you. I'm just loaning it to you for a long time. <laughs> this camera by Olympus, right? It's, a, it's on the 3030Z camera. Um, and well, the problem with that, and I kind of feel like giving it away right now because the motherfucker doesn't plug into my, um, computer. You need special software, the Comedia Master. I'm sure if you, um, you might be familiar with this problem because, um, I went online to look for a solution and a lot of people have my problem where the computer, Windows XP computer doesn't, uh, recognize this very nice digital camera. So it's kind of a worthless, very nice digital camera. It's kind of annoying uh, to the max. Um, so anyway, uh, that was my little um, drama. That I, but then because I was on Torrent Bay trying to find, a, um, um, I was trying to find, a, you know, the what do you call it? trying to do two things at once. See, if uh, this show would be so much better if I had, uh, like, one of those uh, producers, like the guys behind the, the studio and the real radio shows. You know, because I'm doing a... I'm, I'm, while I'm doing a podcast, I'm, what I'm really doing is I'm doing a radio show, a live radio show, too, that you can listen on radioactiveradio.org on Wednesdays from 6 to 8. Um, and when I'm trying to set up my next thing... Uh, oh, sucker, what's the deal? How come that doesn't work? Um, and I had a, I had a clip that I was going to play, and then I sent it in, and um, and now it doesn't want to be there. So let's try it again. Oh, stupid C-SPAN! I saw something really funny on C-SPAN. I was going to play it because I thought it was rad. Um, oh, what was that? Um. It was that call-in show on C-SPAN. Uh, I forget the name of it now. But it was really awesome because that John Yu was on it. And um, recent programs. I don't think it'll be on recent programs. Oh, recent, okay. Well, I'll just play some more of that psychedelic music anyway because it's probably more fun than uh, anything else I, that I could find on uh, C-SPAN. Am I right? I think so. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to play some more of that stuff. This is, I'm going to play... Um, there's this really gross one that I'm not going to play by Gene Vincent called Bird Dogging. I was just like, ew, gross. That is so 70s and sexist. And, um, anyway. Oops. Oh, I know. Shoot. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
Okay, here's uh, more music. Um, this is Shaken All Over by a band called May West.
With the letter C. Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that start with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is for Cookie. Well, I didn't actually want to play this song. It just came on because I was asking DJ No Face about that. Um, I'm not going to just play that. I'm just going to. You guys know what that song's about. Um, so uh, I am going to be going down to the. Um, San Diego Hack Lab tonight, and I'm going to be helping to uh, get that thing podcasted. So uh, if you like my podcast, um, maybe you'll like the San Diego Hack Lab podcast. Um, just look for that um, at a nearby um, place where you found... should be on the Radioactive San Diego podcast, so if you can just go there. Anyway, um, so I was going to play this thing, this clip from John Yu the former assistant attorney general from the Bush administration, he's the one who famously said uh, when asked uh, whether his legislation that he, that he was trying to make apologies for uh, torture, if he's, when he was asked, well, when would it ever be, um, you know, why would a, you, know, you allow a, pr- a president to authorize the, the squeezing of a child's testicles in order to create, uh, you know, to get the, the parent of the child to talk. Um, he, his response was, well, that would be uh, under, the, under why the president feels the need to do that. Rather than just saying, no, we're not going to do that. That's gross. Um, this is the same John So this is a, a real asshole John Yu. And uh, he was on. I saw him talk on the uh, about the military commissions and the war on terrorism, and and he was making all these apologies for um, uh, keeping the status quo about the the, the, um, 
enemy combatant status without any rights and that uh, folks in Guantanamo, we should be, you know, fine about that. And that's all well and good, you know, whatever. Um, they're terrorists, so they don't get any um, due process or any, any kind of rights at all. So fuck that shit. Um, so John Yu was doing appearing at the, on this uh, Washington Journal TV show, and I was going to play the clip where this guy uh, comes on. It's it's if you if you go to the C-SPAN, it's on the Washington Journal. If you look, click on there, you can you can find it. Where his most recent thing, and around the the twenty minute mark or so of the clip, the guy this caller comes in and just rips him a new one, and it was really it really felt good. So it's a thank you caller to C-SPAN. Giving John Yu a hard time. Uh, unfortunately, you're just going to have to listen to my play-by-play rather than listening to the whole thing yourself. Sorry. Um, but I did have some uh, more uh, media that I found. And um, here is um, a clip uh, made by a video, a video clip I found at ArnoldExposed.com. And, um, oops. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's going to take a while now. Jeez, I thought... See, that's why I, I shouldn't do this on the fly. Mm, this is it. Jeez. Okay. Alright. So, in the meantime, maybe we'll um, play some music. That uh, <laughs> that was that last song was kind of annoying, and it was the one... Actually, one of the ones the only one this show that I haven't listened to yet so far. And it was by a band named Mud. And it was a song called Flower Power. All the, well, most of these last ones, except for that um, Susan Christie, these are from this compilation called Who Would Have Thought? And I got it off that that uh, that thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That whole Flower Power thing is a ma- major cop-out. And uh, I don't know what it was about. It sort of reminds me of that whole society control and all that good stuff anyway um now it's not coming up for some reason boy this computer is really not acting right let's play this other band that i found oh here it's coming um it's called um big elf they're from la um i don't know if they're still together but this is a song called um crazy you have money oh wait hold on a second i got that Okay, one more time.
That's pretty rad, huh? Those guys are killer. I like that. I like that big, that big old sound that you get with that, uh, uh, just that, man, it's like fat. Uh, I I think I need to keep that groove going. This is some Harold Ray. Uh, It's not quite Big Elf. I'm going to play some more Big Elf in just a sec, but here's some Soul Dance number three with that kind of, I don't know, kind of sound that I like.
I do not have to bow to any special interest. I have plenty of money. No one can pay me off. I will never take money from the special interest. I don't need to take any money from anybody. I have plenty of money myself. I get donations from businesses and from individuals, absolutely. Taking special interest out of politics is a huge part of your campaign, and yet the reason you're here in New York is part of a massive fundraising effort. $50 million is what you're going for. Who are you taking money from if it's not special interest? I really uh, don't look at exactly who is giving money. I mean, there's people that give small contributions and big contributions. Here's how it works. Money comes in, favors go out, the people lose. I said that I would never have any special interest have any effect on me or tell me what to do. The car dealers have consistently bought this governor. At every turn, he has done what they've wanted him to do whenever there's been an opportunity to help the consumer. When I saw that Fox News had given Arnold half a million dollars, it seemed absolutely perfect. One bully supporting another bully. The fundraisers you're having are big money fundraisers, and I'll tell you who's going. It's business people, it's Wall Street people, it's lobbyists who are writing big checks. To you. So what's wrong with that? What's it like being a politician? Don't ask me what it's like to be a politician well, because, I, because I'm not a politician. If you think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a politician, raise your right hand. <laughs> if you believe he's not, raise your right hand. You lost. <laughs> I want to clean up Sacramento. I want to go in there, reform the system so it's back in the people's hands. The people should make the decision rather than special interest. I will never take money from the special interest. I don't need to take any money from anybody. That was a clip um, from a video, actually, but it's got a nice little groove and got some great quotes in there, so I thought I'd play it for your audio entertainment. Uh, it's actually from the um, ArnoldExposed.com site. There's a video called Arnold in His Own Words, and uh, also on that site, there's some, there's some articles about uh, about the, uh, the nagger, as I like to call him. <sighs> I wonder if I'm allowed to call him that, but if anyone deserves that name, the nagger... Uh, he does because he says he's uh, you know not special interest, but he's the ultimate in special interest if you ask me because he you know takes uh, all this um, money and attention um, from uh, 
the likes of Warren Buffett and uh, the Rothschilds. So here's an article from the Sacramento Bee dated February 1st, 2005. Governor raked in $28.8 million from 04 donors. The fundraising feat doubles what Davis collected his first year. And it goes on to read, uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger has set box office records with records and body bodybuilding records. Now he has a campaign fundraising record. The Republican governor pulled in $28.8 million from campaign donors last year, more than twice as much as Governor Gray Davis collected in his first year of office. Um, Schwarzenegger didn't do it for his own possible re-election campaign in 2006. Those accounts had less than 700000 in them at the end of 2004. Most of the cash was raised to push his agenda on the ballot. His advocacy included backing uh, for two budget-related measures last March and his opposition to a pair of Indian gambling propositions in the fall. It also included his last-minute crusade against Proposition 66, which would have softened the three-strike sentencing law. He was successful in all those high-profile pursuits. Anywho, um, yeah, it's kind of a long article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's such a liar. I mean, when he calls about special interest, um, you know, it's, it's gross. Anyway, uh, a friend of mine that I've been actually doing a little bit of online communication with um, sent me a clip and I haven't seen it yet. I just saw, saw, read my email during the show. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, it's normally not the kind of stuff that I'm all that into, um, mostly because, um, well, this is, I guess, a guy talking about um, 2012 and the significance of 2012. And I think there's something to talk about Planet X, which is also known as Nibiru. Now, this isn't usually my bag of tea, my, you know, my cup of tea. A lot, there's so much... Uh, dis and misinformation out there about the about the UFO phenomenon that I kind of just you know don't even go there because it's not really that important. Although some people say it's cr- critical to um, for you know disclosure and and uh, about uh, what we know about the uh, UFO thing and and um, I don't know to me it's not that critical. It seems like interesting um, phenomenon that is kept under wraps by the government um, and they have a lot of. They, I think they do a lot of um, fake alien abductions as a mind control technique more than the real um, alien control. Like they do, like dress up and, <laughs> and stuff and make people think that they were abducted rather than uh, real abductions. But that's just me. But again, and I also, but then I also think that crop circles and stuff really are, um, you know, hyperdimensional messages from another intelligence that we don't know about uh, that's not uh, pranksters it's actually you know uh, a true mystery that uh, has no real answer so because um, if you look at the you know what when people try to do it it doesn't it's not the same it's just not so um, I'm, I'm open-minded and you know my uh, my friends like to think that I hope I, I that you think that I'm a true true seeker so I'm gonna check out this clip it goes on for a while I don't think I'm gonna play the whole 14 minute clip uh, unless it's just really kick ass but I'll I will give you the the website it's uh, there's actually four clips it looks like maybe it's a an hour long uh, show but this is called uh, x.com and this is from mufon la um, m u f o n underscore la uh, but if if you go to xfax.com you can probably find it anyway um, here you go this is search for planet x we'll give it a give it a whirl for a while check it out
I am. I've never heard it before, so we'll see what happens. Uh oh. Oh wait, hold on. Let me do one more time. I had my volume turned all the way down. Okay, here we go. Move on LA. Let's tell Jason. One more time. Move on LA. Let's tell Jason how much we appreciate his work. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. The data that I'll be showing tonight is uh, the most current that we have for the topic of a Planet X, and then also divulging into the research and information as bequeathed by Zachariah Sitchin and showing some artifacts that, uh, that I've been able to acquire and, and the story that comes along with them as we go. Tonight, basically, what I'm going to do is, again, just share information relating to a Planet X uh, I am taking somewhat of a broad stroke in that uh, some of the information I'm going to be discussing tonight, it does help to have somewhat of a foundation of understanding of topics such as Nibiru, Planet X, or the work of Zachariah Sitchin. So I'd strongly recommend, um, which I'll talk about in the end, that you visit the website xfacts.com or use the resources that I'm going to cite to learn about this information on your own. I can only highlight uh, as much of the finer points as possible but there is obviously a lot of data to go through. So with that, we'll go ahead and get started. Curtis, please. So again, uh, what we're going to be looking at is some of the current research for the topic of a Planet X. Uh, there has been a lot of research done through mainstream science in uh, detecting a planet or another large body beyond Pluto and many theories abroad as to what effects or signs we might have to prove that a Planet X does exist. Next slide, please. So uh, anyone who's familiar with the story or the saga, I should now say, of the Planet X information uh, was aware of the fact that in the early 80s, um, some of the most esoteric research actually started to come out on this topic. And we, through the advances of modern science, were using a telescope at the time. One of them was the infrared astronomical satellite. And uh, it went out there and took pictures. And um, basically what happens is we have a whole system of satellites in orbit now, which I'll get into. But this one, at the time, uh, was another supercooled uh, telescope detecting uh, ranges of infrared light from very, very um, distant and dark objects. For instance, we have things that are called brown dwarfs that are basically like our sun, but it's a failed sun, so it's a very dark, and at some point some of these turn into a very cold mass and are just floating around out in space and are very hard to detect. So they invented telescopes that are supercooled sitting out in space that can detect below freezing temperatures and actually penetrate dust clouds and see objects that you wouldn't actually be able to see uh, without any visible light. Next slide, please. Some of you also might be familiar with seeing this diagram on the internet. I also have yet to confirm the authenticity, uh, but this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, edition of New Science and Technology. Um, and this diagram is specifically talking about the Pioneer 10 probe. Uh, and if you'll notice, I'm not sure if there's a date listed on here. Yes, here you see at the bottom. But right around in the early 80s, this information started to come out and be, become public knowledge. And at that time, the Encyclopedia Britannica documenting this did make some very interesting uh, not notations if, in fact, this is an authentic diagram. You'll notice that, uh, you know, I should have asked if anyone in the audience has a laser pointer. I didn't bring mine tonight. Oh, look at that. They do have one. I don't want to keep walking over here and losing camera focus. But as he's, as he's bringing that over. So you'll notice that if you look closely, you'll see that there's the Earth, and uh, you'll see the, the trajectory of the two probes. But interestingly enough, aside from sighting our sun, 
you'll see that there's at the way very top there, there's a dead star 10 billion miles out, or and this is 50 million. 50 million. They're citing a dead star, which very interestingly enough, you know, this has just been coming out in the last decade that solar systems could actually be binary, that most solar systems imaged by Hubble have two stars. So this is pretty interesting to find, let alone be able to authenticate its, uh, its information. But as we go on to the next slide, Curtis, um, the reason why this was being uh, probably extolled in the encyclopedia at that time is there was actual research going on in the early 80s all the way up until the early 90s. Uh, one of the lead astronomers that's famous for doing Planet X, Planet X research is Dr. Harrington, shown here on the bottom left. In the early uh, 80s, Dr. Harrington was the lead astronomer for the National, excuse me, the Naval Observatory held in uh, Washington, basically NASA's headquarters, and he was one of the lead astronomers at the time uh, doing data based on the perturbations of the outer planets that he, he theorized there should be another planet out there, meaning when we uh, started doing mathematical calculations on the outer planets like Uranus and Neptune, they noticed that there was a slight pull being exerted on the planets to suggest that there's some large object out there influencing the planets. That was the, the theory at the time. Now, the, the idea that this extrasolar planet, you know, a tenth planet, a body out there is um, causing perturbations on the outer planets and that's how we would look for it. That's not actually the latest research that they're using to look for a planet X. It's actually more infrared based and using, uh, using telescopes. So at the time, this was the latest model for understanding a planet X. It's a little outdated now and it's, it's not quite accepted uh, by mainstream science. But interestingly enough, uh, many of the things that we talk about aren't accepted by mainstream science. And, and in fact, all the models that mainstream science are prognosticating don't, in, don't include uh, all the information that we're still trying to figure out how Earth's formation came about and this idea of, of another planet. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's a little spotty. All right, there we go. Next slide, please. So what we're looking at here is uh, Dr. Harrington in the early 80s, unfortunately he is now deceased, he died in a car accident. Um, some people like to have speculated that there was some, you know, undercover covert reason why he was killed, that he was coming back from a telescope. And I, I don't personally subscribe to the theory that Dr. Harrington was involved in a conspiracy and was killed because of Planet X information, but, you know, I, I really can't uh, ascertain all the facts around his death to say that. There are obviously some anomalous parts to the story, and NASA has not been very forthcoming with the information as far as Planet X or Dr. Harrington's research, so it does raise a lot of eyebrows. What we're looking at here are basically uh, astronomical plates of all the stars taken at the time in the region where Dr. Harrington thought a Planet X would be located. So what they would do is they would take these images of, the, of, of star fields and designate every single object in there as a known source and then filter out the possibilities for what objects could possibly be Cooper Belt objects or a brown dwarf. Next slide, please. And real quickly, I will note, uh, I should note that all of Dr. Harrington's data is still stored in the astronomical Harvard archives and are on public display. So anyone denouncing the whole idea that a planet X doesn't exist or that this is some ludicrous idea, it is a, a Harvard accepted norm within the astronomical community that this data was documented and is still available to the public. So interestingly enough, uh, advancing with the science a few years later in the early 90s, 
we uh, sent this, we were scheduled to launch this probe called WIRE, the Wide Field Infrared Explorer. And this was a very interesting project because its main focus was actually to map supernovas and, and do some very specific imaging. And unfortunately, they had some software malfunctions after it launched, and they specifically denoted this satellite to planet finding. So uh, in 99 or around that time, the WIRE telescope did basically almost 90% of the 98% of the sky surveying, looking for possible candidates to be a planet X, a brown dwarf, Coupier belt objects that have been expelled and are now somewhat within our vicinity and are visible. And again, remember this is infrared night. It's not infrared light. It's not visible to the naked eye. It's basically a heat signature. And so this is, that's okay. That little image on the bottom left. Let's just stop it there, that's fine. That little bottom left image that we had seen was just basically uh, a simulation of, of what, what, what the field array would look like. And let's see, hopefully uh, it doesn't look like this is going to be clicking. There should be a video playing. See if you can hit the key there. Go forward now. There we go. So we'll just let that run for a second. Very interestingly, um, <laughs> yeah, I just remembered something else too. I didn't get to check to see if this launched. A satellite called the Space Infrared Telescope Facility was scheduled to launch yesterday and is basically our latest technology in space for detecting Coupier Belt objects, brown uh, dwarfs, uh, e even uh, failed supernovas. It, it has a very fine-tuned infrared uh, lens looking at a very wide spectrum of light from very super cold to warm temperatures. The reason why Stuart is so interesting is that it's going to be able to pierce through these dense dust clouds that have not that have been preventing us from being able to see far in past things like the Oort cloud well beyond and look through these these like there's like layers of dust just laying out in space that uh, disrupt our view. Interestingly enough, this CERTIF, the CERTIF telescope. There was a conference recently at the Jet Propulsion Laboratories that I attended by a Dr. Michelle Fowler, and she's one of the lead astronomers on the project. I attended, of course, wanting to know about, will CERTIF be able to see things like a Planet X? And I asked her specifically, will CERTIF be looking for objects like a Planet X? And she said, yes, it will. But it takes very specific point images, meaning it'll look at specific areas beaming that data back to Earth. And as you see here, kind of has an orbit around the sun, just like our Earth does, just kind of follows a little bit, uh, a little bit of the ways behind it. Now, the CERTIF is going to be uh, a collection, the, the, one of the final observatories that we have in space. We do have four or five satellites up there now collecting infrared data. And this is really the key thing to understanding the search for a planet X in modern science. As we'll discuss in a minute, there are some very interesting ancient correlations, but tying that in, modern and ancient, this is the latest research that we have coming out of NASA and astronomical uh, you know, sites of reference to being able to actually locate a Planet X object. Now, a lot of people, again, will like to speculate that if this, you know, if this was discovered that it would be covered up or you know, that we wouldn't be told. I, I, I can't really answer that question. I know NASA has been known as a side note from, instead of National Aeronautic Space Association to be never a straight answer. But not, not counting just their track record, we have a very large amateur astronomy community that has always been on top of even the professional by things like the Hale-Bopp comet, the planetary alignment that took place. These things were all documented and accounted for by amateur astronomy before it became a professionally accepted norm. So if there is going to be a large object sighted, 
there are telescopes ground-based within the astronomical community and in the, the amateur astronomy field that will be able to cite these things, and it, and it, it, will, get, uh, it will get attention. Now, how that story will play out, we'll see. Next slide, please. So this is just showing a close-up of the sort of satellite. You can see the little Earth and a moon there in the distance. It's kind of showing how it would be orbiting around the sun. But uh, this, is, uh, this will be the latest uh, observatory that we'll have in space for detecting uh, large objects in space that could be a Planet X type scenario. Next slide, please. So give you an idea of a breakdown of what we're talking about when we talk about brown dwarfs or failed stars. This is about a Jupiter-sized planet. Uh, from our solar system. And just to give you a breakdown of all this information, what we're looking at is the different classes of brown dwarfs that we see here. And uh, the, the, the objects that range in space as far as visible light and in infrared light, there are so many of these things out there that it's not a question of imaging Planet X. It's literally a picking it out of the massive star field. They've got like 3,000 candidates when they snap off an image for what are Coupier Belt objects, which ones are brown dwarfs, and uh, it's, it's very uh, hard and uh, painstaking information to go through and catalog all these different plates, figuring out which ones are actually known planets and which ones, which ones are candidates to be a possible uh, a new addition to the star catalog. Next slide, please. So one of the uh, satellites, or excuse me, one of the observatories that we have that's ground-based is the Keck Interferometer, and this one, uh, very interesting, is very powerful in the sense that it is able to use two independent powerful lenses focused in on one specific point, beam that data in and relay it in a 3D image on a central screen. So it gives them two independent sources of reference for being able to pinpoint, pinpoint a light source and fo focus in on it and, and analyze the data. And these, this, again, is some of the latest research that we would be using in citing, uh, you know, Coupier Belt objects, brown dwarfs, or Planet X-like uh, objects in space. Next slide, please. So just to show that, uh, again, this is being documented in mainstream science. These are just several news articles saying that, you know, there, there is evidence to say there is something out there beyond Pluto, uh, uh, a companion to our sun, something out there, another body beyond Pluto. Next slide, please. A mystery revolves around the sun, something out there affecting, affecting the planets. Uh, and all of these researchers around the world are, you know, challenging the current model for, for what, was, what is an accepted norm, but it's still, not, uh, it's still not an accepted idea that there is a tenth planet within our solar system. Yet, next slide, the data clearly suggests that we are right on the coattails of, of discovering something as shown by this article. This was an ABC News article. Yeah. All right, that's the end of that clip. Uh, it kind of went on a little bit longer than I wanted, uh, but uh, it's, it was kind of interesting. Um, I, liked, I liked his approach. Um, he was trying to keep it just to the modern science, unless about uh, the fact that, uh, I don't know, that the Mayans were able to do all this tracking and all that stuff, which is kids kind of... I'm sure he's going there because the... The clip said something about 2012, and that's um, the end of the Mayan calendar, if you don't know that already. Um, so supposedly something big is going to happen, and um, I guess in the words of Terrence McKenna, that's a good time to be alert. Uh, I think that's what what he said when, when someone asked him uh, what he plans to be doing uh, on 2012. He says, well, I hope to be alert, or something like that, or paying attention. Um, I'm paying attention to some stuff. Um, I've paying attention right now to this article in front of me it says air force chief 
uh, says that test weapons on testy U.S. mobs. This is from the September 12th uh, CNN.com um, page. It says, Non-lethal weapons such as high-power microwave devices should be used on American citizens in crowd control situations before being used in on the battlefield, the Air Force Secretary said Tuesday. The object is basically public relations. <laughs> Domestic use would make it easier to avoid questions from others about possibly possible safety considerations, said Secretary Michael Wynn. If we're not willing to use it here against our, our fellow citizens, then we should not be willing to use it in a wartime situation, said Wynn. Because if I hit somebody with a non-lethal weapon and they claim that it injured them in any way that was not intended, I think that I would be vilified in the world press. The Air Force has paid uh, for research into non-lethal weapons, but he said the service is unlikely to spend more money on development until injury problems are reviewed by medical experts and resolved. Non-lethal weapons generally can weaken people if they are hit with the, with the beam. Some of the weapons may emit short, intense energy pulses that also can be effective in disabling some electronic devices. On another subject, Wynn said he expects to choose a new contractor for the next general generation aerial refueling tankers by next summer. He said a draft request for bids will be put on for next month, uh, and there are two qualified bidder, bidders. The Boeing Corporation and a team of Northrop Grumman Corporation and European Aeronautic Defense and Space Company, the majority owner of the European jet maker Airbus. The contract is expect expected to be worth at least $20 billion. $20 billion. Chicago, Illinois-based Boeing lost the tanker deal, deal in 2004 amid revelations that it had hired a top Air Force acquisitions official who had given the company preferential treatment. Wynn also said the Air Force, which is already chopping 40,000 active duty civilian and reserve jobs, is now struggling to find new ways to lash, slash about $1.8 billion from its budget to cover costs from the latest round of base closings. He said he can't cut more people and it would not be wise to take funding from military programs that are needed to protect the country. Uh, oh, protect the country, but wound and damage its citizens. The country will be fine, but just the citizens are going to be uh, tested on. But he said that he also incurs resistance when he tries to save money on operations and maintenance by retiring uh, aging aircraft. Quote, we're finding out that those are unfortunately prized possessions of some congressional districts, said Wynn, adding that the Air Force will have to take some appetite suppressant pills. He said he has asked employees to look for efficiencies in their office offices. The base closings initially were expected to create savings by reducing Air Force infra infrastructure by 24%. Okay, so this guy, Wynn, Michael Wynn, says that we should be shooting this, these microwaves and crap at the people of this nation because they're, quote, non-lethal and we need to try it out as a matter of uh, for, you know, forestalling or, or, you know, undercutting any kind of uh, bad press it might receive if we try to use it on on folks out in Iraq and Afghanistan and and all the other places that we think that we have um, control over. Okay, so all right, um, yeah, that's the that's what you get if you want to peacefully assemble, and then maybe some uh, agents provocateurs want to start some stuff, and then they say, oh, well, this is our chance. We can now shoot this microwaves and see how it goes. 
So, yeah. Um, this is crazy. That's just crazy. That's so awful. Um, some more stories here I thought I'd share since I'm talking about some new stories. Um, um, there's a CBS news story uh, of a kid at Sheldon High in Sacramento, Ben Underwood, who is blind, but he is able to um, perceive what's around him. Um, when he was around six, he started clicking and quickly realized that the sound he made with his tongue bounced off things around him, giving him an idea of where of what was there. Ben has much the same talent as the dolphins he visited at SeaWorld. The ability to use echolocation, returning sound waves to sense his surroundings. His mother, Aquanetta Gordon, insisted he should have every opportunity, but no pity. Quote, to society, he's blind, but that doesn't make him handicapped. He just can't see. Aquanetta has also told Ben he can do anything. Anyway, that's kind of amazing. Um, all right, well... That's about that's enough news and my commentary. I mean, it's kind of like whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, and I, um, hey, you know, I've got a video out there on YouTube. It's called Alien Reject. So if uh, if you ever want to see what a, what I look like, um, you go to um, go to YouTube.com and search for Alien Reject. It's the name of the video, and um, and. Um, it's pretty funny that we'd use a um, Radiohead um, song. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of pathetic. And, and my dog Beta is a, plays a starring role in it. And um, my poor dog Beta, I, I I had to put him down recently, and uh, it's really sad. So it was a sad moment for me. And uh, hey, um, if you like my show and you are interested in uh, helping out or whatever just uh, what would be really helpful is if you just send me an email or um or otherwise make a comment on my on my podcast pages or whatever and let me know give me some feedback i'd love to hear anything you might have to say about me or my show so you're welcome to do so the my address is um you can just send it to lionroar2 at cox.net, and I'll get to it. Um, here's some muddy waters that's on that compilation. I'm wondering if it's really the muddy waters that we that we know, know and love. Let's check it. Thank you. 
can walk I can see by the way you Baby talk I can know by the way you Treat your man That I can love you Babe and tells a crying shame Here's a DVD.
All right, that was the end of the song. That's pretty psychedelic. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to my, uh, you know, Throw It Together show. It's nice to have a show where it's just like, hey, you know, whatever. It's kind of relaxing, uh, even though it's kind of also kind of stressful just to throw something together uh, without checking the little links in a different computer and all that good stuff. And So thanks for joining me on this little quest. I do appreciate it. If, um, if you like this show... Um, Check out some of the other shows that are on the Radioactive Radio podcast, Radioactive San Diego. Go to RadioactiveRadio.org and click the archives. Uh, my friend uh, DJ Squared has a good show. He just did. Uh, uh, an, he just came out uh, for 9/11 Truth. Uh, made a made a big show of it. Uh, his last show. I don't. I didn't check the upload, but I think it's there. And um, my other friend Lotus. He has a great show. Uh, and I made a clip of his from my, my, on my last show. So anyway, um, and we're just putting it all together. We're just putting in our energy together, make it make it a collective rather than uh, an individual podcasting type of situation. And that makes us. Uh, and we also run a, a stream twenty four seven, and you can listen into our radio station. And we we bro- we bro- rebroadcast uh, Democracy Now, um, Fairs Media Matters show on Sundays. Um, Jake, Lying Media Bastards, uh, he has his show live on Thursdays at uh, 1, I think, or maybe it's 2. Anyway, Thursday afternoons, uh, Jake with Lying Media Bastards, and you can all, he's also rebroadcast on Monday at 7 a.m. And, um, yeah, so, so uh, and if you're in San Diego and want to and have uh, a radio show and, and uh, have fun with a group of people... Uh, please give us a call or email. There's a contact page uh, on our website, radioactiveradio.org. I'm going to leave you with some more Big Elf. Uh, I have I have two songs, and they both start with a C, and I only listened to them like once or twice uh, over over the last two days. So I don't remember what I already played. Let's see if I can remember just by listening to it. I'm going to play change it might be the same song as i played before the other song i have is crazy but uh i think i might already played that and if i did well you this is the end of the show so thanks for tuning in uh have a good night peace out Hold on, let me just see. Let me just see. Let me see, see if this is this crazy is is a different. This is the one because I, I don't know. It sounds familiar. Let me see. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with crazy. Okay, so let's start with crazy. Okay, I think I played change already. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Have a good one. Bye bye.
Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was the, the uh, same one I played before. <laughs>